This is the final week in our series on the book of Revelation. And I trust that as we've studied this book together that you've had the opportunity to consider what it is that this book has to offer to the church and to you. I pray that you've heard in these chapters the words of hope that are meant to buoy the church through challenging seasons and meant to offer encouragement and support to those who are struggling and suffering that their perseverance is not unnoticed. Far from it, that is, it is in fact the very call of Christ and heeding it will place you in the midst of his kingdom. I also trust that you've been able to unpack just a little bit of what this book is not. That it's not a crystal ball for the future. It's not a step-by-step breakdown of the end of the world. Rather, it's meant to give us a window into a story that all of us think we're pretty familiar with. The story of our world, the story of our lives, the story of our faith but to give us a unique perspective on it, not from the vantage point of earth, rather from the perspective of heaven, and to reveal to us those things that otherwise we wouldn't be able to grasp if it weren't for this new way of looking at it. As we come to these final two chapters of Revelation, we come to the place where heaven and earth meet, and we begin to see what the culmination of all things will look like, and that maybe it's not what we expect. Because the first thing that John sees in the new heaven and the new earth is a city coming down out of heaven from God. There's a myth that's present in the church that we should quickly realize isn't true. It's a myth rooted in the way that we tell this story of the world, starting with creation and a garden, and then how we turned away from God and had to leave the garden, and how God sought us out to bring us back. And this myth is that we're going backward that we're meant to return to Eden as it was. That something like a reset to creation at the beginning is God's plan. There's this temptation that we have to look at everything that's come since the garden and to reject it. To say that cities have been Babylon and they've been Rome and they always fall to ruins. To say that technology has been used to make war more brutal and terrible, that it can distance us from our neighbors, that it's helped us destroy creation with a speed that is unimaginable. So we want to tell ourselves that surely we're headed back to the garden, back to a simpler time when things were good. This isn't the case, however. When God created the world, it was good. But the very first thing God instructs humanity to do in that good creation is to be fruitful, to increase in number, to fill the earth and to steward creation to bring out its full beauty. The garden wasn't a finished product. It was a starting place. And while we were removed from the garden, God's instructions for humanity didn't actually change. We remained stewards of creation meant to cultivate beauty and goodness within it. And we've done that work imperfectly. Sometimes we've done it quite poorly. All too often, we've made things far worse. But God's desire remains not to see what was at the beginning. God's seen that. God's desire is to see what yet will be when God and humanity live and work together to care for the earth and to cause it to flourish it's not wrong that we think back to Genesis when, we, when we're considering the renewal of all things. The end of this story is meant to remind us of the beginning. 
But we do well to remember that we're not on some cosmic hamster wheel. Rather, there was a trajectory to creation at the beginning. It started in a garden, but it was always headed toward a city, a city that has a garden at its heart. Even after humanity turned away from God, God invited his people to continue to dream dreams of what might yet be, what surely will be when, on a day when God's kingdom comes. Generations of God's people have longed, not for a garden, but for a city. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us that Abraham, Abraham, a wandering desert nomad, was looking for the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. And we know that the psalmist longed for Zion, unable to sing of it any longer. He was so heartsick for it. Then Ezekiel had a vision of a city with a river running through it, a river of life that would be a blessing for the whole world with trees along it whose fruit would feed the nations and whose leaves would heal the nations. This part of Revelation is pointing us back to that promise of Ezekiel, reminding us of what we've always been hoping for. Zechariah builds off this prophecy as he shares God's heart for a city that's safe for young and old alike, where ten people from all nations and languages will tightly grasp the robe of a Jew, saying, let us go with you to that city, for we have heard that God is with you. I think it's clear from this quick survey of scripture that God has been putting this city on the hearts of his faithful people for a long, long time. The garden was good, but people, people are very good. And I have a feeling that God knew what people would do with his creation could be marvelous. God is still excited to see God's image at work in us as we work out his creativity in our lives with the things that he's provided to us. So heaven, it turns out, is a city come to earth. This is part of the reason why at Knox we say that we're a church that is loving the city. Because God loves the city and God's people long for a city. So we love the city that we have in Toronto, celebrating the good that's in it now and imagining ways that it can be more and more like that new city until the day when it finally comes. But this city with foundations, this country of God's people, it's not really like anything we've seen before. When the book of Hebrews tells that story of God's faithful people longing for the place where they would live with God, the author writes this, if they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. The story really isn't about going backward. We all get nostalgic sometimes and we all like to imagine that things were better in the past. But the story God's telling is pushing forward. The garden was good, but it wasn't the end. It was a good start. The past and what's behind us doesn't hold a candle to what's ahead of us. There's a new heaven and there's a new earth. And they're both new, both of them. They're not like the old things. They are the goodness of the garden woven into all the ways that people have tried to do that original work that God gave us to do, to be fruitful, to multiply, to bring out the beauty of God's creation. 
In Revelation 21, when John describes the New Jerusalem and pictures these precious metals and jewels and a beauty that can't quite be put into words, he's highlighting how ridiculously over-the-top good this thing is. How worth longing for and anticipating it is because words just don't do it justice. No more death or mourning, or crying, or pain. The old order of things has passed away. But we're so used to that old order of things. Some of us are convinced that the old order of things is for our good. We have been so carelessly comforted by the ways that death and crying and pain have infected our world. It's actually a good litmus test to consider if the idea of the old order of things passing away excites you or terrifies you. Because if this idea worries us, it might be that we found too much goodness in something that was never meant for our good. In recent weeks, we have heard more and more loudly the cry of many that it is time for the old order of things to pass away for that old order of misogyny and that old order of racism and that old order of greed and so much else to finally pass away. We would rightly say yes and amen to these things and to add to them the old order of death and decay and of pain itself. Sometimes, though, it takes a description like streets of gold and gates of pearl to capture our fickle imaginations and pull us back to that truth of God's kingdom that it really is better and more beautiful like nothing we've seen before, that it really is good like nothing we've dared dream. And it's better for us than we could possibly convince ourselves that the old order of things has ever been, that we can let go of that old order because there's far more to anticipate and hope for. If we're satisfied with the old order of things, we are far too easily pleased. The story of scripture has always been this story. This isn't plan B. This is what God has been working toward from the beginning. And in this beautiful, holy city, there is no temple. There is no temple because the dwelling place of God is now among the people. And I want to make sure you caught that. The dwelling place of God is now among the people. Because I think that all too often, we imagine that the end of this story is that people's dwelling place is now with God, off in the sky. But heaven comes to earth, and God chooses to dwell in that new heavenly city, placed in a new creation. And church, this really shouldn't surprise us because our God is a God that moves in. Before creation, God's spirit hovered over the deep. And at the beginning of the world, God walked in the garden during the cool of the day. And God showed up for Israel in pillars of cloud and fire. And God showed up for exiles in a fiery furnace. And he showed up to so many others in visions and dreams and whispers on the wind. And then Jesus became incarnate. The Son of God took on flesh and moved into our neighborhood to live as we live. 
And as he did this, he was preparing the way for the day when God's dwelling place would finally and fully be among us. When there would be a heavenly city and a new creation. God comes to prepare the way for God's fullness. God doesn't come to rescue us and sweep us away. We worship a God who changes for our sake, who became a man for us, and who not only makes earth new for us, but makes heaven new for us as well, so that heaven and earth can come together, and with them we can be brought so much closer to God that we have no need for the sun or any lamp, because God himself will be our light. So we're not going backward The garden is coming forward and it's finding its place in the center of a new city and a new creation. And from there, all peoples and nations will be healed and blessed. And they will be in the presence of the living God. This is that vision from Ezekiel made real. Friends, we need to be like Abraham and look forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. We need to be like our mothers and fathers in the faith who knew that what lay behind them was like nothing compared to the things that God had placed ahead of them. Together, we should ache for God's kingdom. We should dream dreams of this city. We should believe that it's so good for us and so good for our world that we can't help but cry out that Advent cry, Come, Lord Jesus. We need to be hungry and thirsty for a kingdom of new heaven and new earth where the old ways of doing things have passed away because this thing is coming. Jesus has given this testimony so that we might know it is true. We need to know what it is to be thirsty for this new creation because there are thousands of people in our neighborhoods and marching in our streets who are thirsty for this good news that the old order of things is passing away and will finally pass away, that the Spirit and the Bride say, come. So let all of us who hear say, come, so that those who are thirsty for this city might come and the ones who wish may enjoy the free gift of the water of life. Come, all you for whom the old order of things has let you down and hurt you and betrayed you, Come, all you weary and mourning and dying. Come, because the one who promises all these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. We believe God speaks through God's word. And so we want to leave space for you to continue to listen to the Spirit, to listen to what the Spirit might have been saying to you as you heard Revelation 21 and 22 and a little bit of how it connects to our lives, but also to meditate on, to journal about, to think about these questions. And so we invite you to reflect on how have you grown too comfortable with the old order of things? And to also think about what would it look like to live believing that Jesus and his kingdom of new things really is coming soon. And we invite you to take a couple minutes and to hear from God's spirit. May God be close to you in this time.